Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Okay, guys, check out this video clip that I found on the Wall Street Journal site. Mothering a robot baby that burps, cries, and needs to be changed is supposed to discourage teenage girls from falling pregnant. Falling pregnant. I, I, I love that. Like, oops, I fell pregnant. Mainly, though, I'm playing you this clip because robot babies, remember them? A couple years ago, we did a story with This American Life about these baby simulators that some schools use in sex ed classes. The dolls have computers inside that make them cry throughout the day and night. And it's actually kind of realistic because their crying patterns are based on logs kept by real parents. So, so in that story that we did, we followed a couple of students while they had the babies in a program called Baby Think It Over. It was a fun little story to do. And then this summer on August 25th, robot babies suddenly became breaking news. They were a headline all across the internet. The Wall Street Journal, ABC News, CNN, the Toronto Star, Yahoo News, Mother Jones, NPR, Science Magazine, the Huffington Post. And that is just the big English language ones. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hilary Frank. Today on the show, we take a deep dive on the study that shook the robot baby world in August. First, we're going to replay our original story about them to get you all caught up. And I got to point out too, um, today you're going to be hearing exclusively about girls and robot babies. Some of you expressed concern about this the last time, you know, like, why don't guys get the babies too? Well, guys do get the robot babies, but we just chose to follow these two girls because we loved the stark contrast in their personalities. You'll see what I mean. Okay, so after we play the piece from two years ago, we're going to talk about this new robot baby study because it's got some interesting surprises. And then we're going to see how it relates to the story that we did a couple years ago. The first time I saw a robotic baby was at my local pharmacy. It's one of those old-timey places with a candy counter and surgical supplies and a large selection of scented candles. One day I was in the store, and I heard this teenage girl behind me say, My God, this baby is so heavy. She had a car seat slung over her shoulder like a purse. and For a second, I thought the plastic baby inside it was real. The real ones are heavier, I told her. 
She groaned and whipped the car seat over to her other shoulder. At the time, I had a three-year-old, and I was dying to know if this girl's experience with the plastic baby was anything remotely like my experience with my flesh-and-blood baby. The girl told me she went to Glenridge High. Glenridge is the town next to mine in New Jersey. So I called the school and asked if they'd let me hang out the next time the kids got the babies. Oh, and don't forget to support her nap when you pick her up out of the car seat, okay? Ms. Hogan, the health teacher, is setting up two girls with their babies. The robot babies are so expensive that the school only has 10 of them, so the students take turns with them for two solid days of pretend parenting. In the class I visited, the students on deck were Rachel. Let's kick it. I'm excited. My baby's here. And Paige. I don't know why I'm so nervous about this baby, but it'll be good. My producer Joanna and I followed them with their babies over the next 48 hours. Rachel and Paige are friends, but they're about as different as two 17-year-olds can be. We'll start with Paige. Paige is brimming with maternal affection for her fake baby. She pulls a flowered onesie out of her book bag and shows it to Joanna. I brought clothes for her. <laughs> Wait, are these your baby clothes? Uh, like, I think some of them are. Uh, my mom saved them, and then I used them for when I used to play baby dolls. Just a note here about Paige's voice. I've never heard anyone talk like her before. She's not whispering or anything. This is just the way she sounds. You're really, like, going for the full immersion. I am. I am. Because I I was so excited to get a baby. So I know it'll be so much fun. It'll be hard. But it'll, it'll be fun. To be clear, there was no need to bring baby clothes. The doll comes with its own outfit. Paige is a devout Christian. She wears a purity ring. And um, I made a promise that I will not ever give myself away before I'm married, because I think it's one of the worst mistakes somebody could do. So that's Paige. Now, here's Rachel. I don't think that losing your virginity is giving yourself away. I think Rachel is the quintessential theater kid. She describes herself as liberal and bisexual. She's never had sex with anyone, but she keeps a good luck condom in her drawer, just in case. Just It's just in my room. I know it's there. Like, I went on a trip somewhere once, like by myself, and I just brought it, even though I knew I wouldn't use it. But it's just like for good luck. Rachel thinks she wants to wait until her 30s to have kids. She did not bring in baby clothes today for her robot baby. She thinks this whole baby thing will just make for a fun story, like the time she joined the boys' wrestling team and wound up puking in the locker room. I've been more excited about the backstory than anything else. Like, I need to find who's the father, I need to figure it out. Was it left on my doorstep? The girls take their babies. Each is in a car seat. Each looks like a real baby except plastic. The huge speaker on its chest, a vacant stare. Their lips are always pursed for feeding. And somehow, they always look a little pissed off. Paige and Rachel head to class. Their first big challenge... Do you know how much blood you're giving? Today is the blood drive at Glenridge High. Take my gloves off. Rachel is laid out flat on a table with a tourniquet around her arm. Her baby is on the floor behind her head in the car seat. The lab tech says, You're not allowed to give her the baby. She can't give Rachel the baby. I don't like this. I want to take care of my baby. I don't like this sound. If those cries sound disturbingly real, it's because they're recordings of actual babies crying. Oh, the baby really wants me now. And if Rachel could get to her baby, here is how she would get it to stop crying. 
It has to be her. It can't be someone else. She's being graded on this. So she's wearing a wristband that she swipes over the baby. That identifies her as the mother. Next, she'd have to figure out why the baby is crying. It could need one of four things. Burping, rocking, diapering, or feeding. To feed it, you hold a fake bottle by the baby's lips, and if she's hungry, she goes like this. When she's full, she goes like this. You have only two minutes to get it right. If you don't, you lose points. If you don't support the baby's neck, more points off. So all the time Rachel's on the blood donor table, she's losing points. The lab tech holds Rachel's arm, pushes the needle into her vein. Ow, 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 it really hurts now. It hurts more now. Ow, ow, ow. Okay. And then, like any stressed out drama geek, Rachel bursts into song. Opera. Are you, are you singing because of the pain or because you don't want to hear the baby crying? It's a little bit of both. Mostly because of the pain. I'm sorry, baby! Meanwhile, Paige's baby seems to need attention constantly. She'll feed it or rock it, and it'll stop crying, but then start up again four minutes later, then five minutes after that, then another seven minutes after that. I think I've kind of learned already. It's only an hour and a half into it. Um, I've definitely learned this baby. It's kind of like a normal baby, but not. Because it... I think a normal baby is not this needy. Of course, a human baby is way more needy. But, you know, amateurs. Joanna and I follow Paige and Rachel through the rest of their classes. The babies wail through lectures, through debates. Okay, so what, what else in one class, there are four babies going off. This is the most babyful class I've gone to so far. Which makes it feel more like a nursery than a school. While taking a test, Rachel discovers a clever workaround. She props the bottle up in the car seat and basically has the baby feed itself. Some teachers are amused, others aren't. The girls are especially nervous about bringing the babies to play rehearsal. They tell me the director's a little shouty. Hello! Hello! We are going to begin! The show is Dead Man Walking, a stage version of the film. Both girls are in the play, and they both play mothers. Rachel is the mother of the murderer... Paige is the mother of the nun. Paige is standing on a raised platform at the back of the stage. She's swaying a little, looking up at the spotlight as she sings. Then, just as she feared, from backstage, her baby starts crying. Paige lunges off the platform and trips on a wooden crate that's part of the set. She flies through the air, oddly gracefully and lands smack on her knee. Okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Clearly, she's not fine. She's on the ground, hugging her leg. Everyone circles around her. Since it was blood drive day, there's a student volunteer there, still in his EMS uniform. He checks her leg to see if it's broken. It's not. Just a really bad bruise. Paige is crying. Her baby is crying. She's cradling the baby in her arms. Someone turns the spotlight on them. 
Paige looks like the Virgin Mary. At this point, Paige decides she's ready to cheat. One of her friends tells her to take off the bracelet. Paige wriggles it off her wrist and hands the baby and the bracelet to the girl, who gets to work triaging. Burping, rocking, burping, yeah, feeding. It just needed to be held. It needed to be held? Yeah, it just needed to be held. And I, I burped it, but it didn't make any burping noises. How are you feeling about motherhood now, Paige? I hate it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's just really stressful. I just, oh. Sorry, I'm in so much pain. I ask the girls to record themselves on their phones at night, whenever their babies wake them up. Here's Rachel. And so it begins. This is the first time she's woken me up. It's 11.30 p.m. Diaper changing and the bottle have not worked. I'm attempting to rock the baby. She appears to have stopped. Hopefully she'll be sated for a while. Rachel over and out. This is wake up number two, about five minutes later. It seems like she doesn't really need anything. She's just lonely, I guess. Oh, once I had a little dog. His color, it was brown. I taught him for to whistle. Sing and dance. He is 413. The baby was hungry again. The tiredness is really sitting in. I've grown strangely emotionally attached to this lump of plastic, and I'm going to be a tiny bit sad to get rid of her. Rachel records herself every single time the baby wakes her up, both nights, a total of nine times. Paige was so overwhelmed by the night wakings that she didn't wind up recording herself at all. Like, I don't, I'm so, so tired, and my whole, I don't know why, but I feel like my whole body has just been slammed up against a wall. I just, I can barely keep my eyes open, and I just feel so exhausted. And uh, and how were you feeling while it was going on? Were you feeling mad at the baby? Um, a little bit. I, I was just like, man, I, I just, my mama came in and said, well, scan it, sweetheart. And I, I remember saying, I already did. And then I, like, took her diaper off, threw the diaper, put the diaper back on, and, and she still was crying. And I looked at my mom and said, Mom. And so at, around the third time she woke up, I was like... <sighs> I just wanted everyone to be quiet and leave me alone. The next day at school, Rachel was not herself. Before chorus, Katie Schultz, who is actually, she plays the nun in the play, she just asked me, how's the baby? And I just went, can everyone just shut up? (laughs) And in my mind, I was like, she wasn't doing anything. She was not the person I should be yelling at. But I was just like, ah. 
Overnight, Paige and Rachel have become animals I recognize intimately. They've become mothers, throwing their minds, bodies, and hearts so fully into a tiny being that they can't help but whine and lash out at people who don't deserve it. Even Paige says she's become a jerk, or her version of a jerk. She forgot to thank a boy who held the door for her. Plus, she admits to me that she's cheated a second time. She forgot to bring her costume for dress rehearsal, so she slipped the bracelet off again and left the baby with a friend while she ran home. Next morning comes the moment of truth. The girls hand in their babies and get their grades. The robot baby keeps a minute-by-minute record of how you did. Paige goes first. Paige was a 71. 71, which is what in letters? Uh, C minus. And what did she get points deducted for? For she had a missed feeding, a head support, and then 649, she had a missed feeding and a head support. 658, she had a missed burp, and 929, yeah, so... Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Don't worry. Don't fret. Because I, I, every time she cried, I, I picked her up immediately, gave her a bottle. If she didn't want that, I put her type on. So I don't know. I thought I did okay. I didn't think I get like a C. So I'm a little disappointed. Rach, let me get your grade for you. The big moment for Rachel. Ready, Rachel. She's getting her grade. 94. Which translates to an A? An A, yeah. If I were a betting person, I'd have never put money on Rachel doing better than Paige. Especially not this much better. For all of her baby clothes and maternal instinct, not to mention wanting to be a young mom, Paige turns out to be a below-average mother. At least when it comes to plastic children. Has this changed the way you feel about uh, becoming a mother and about babies? Um... I thought, like, I could have a baby at 21. I'll go to ministry school, meet a, a man of God, a man of my dreams, we'll get married and have a baby. Um, but I think maybe, maybe I think I'm um, maybe a little older than I thought. Like, I, um, I cannot even imagine putting a baby, a life, into my world. And um, I think it'd be horrible. Paige isn't sure how old she wants to be when she starts a family now. She just knows she can't even picture it. Her whole life plan has been thrown out of whack by her robot baby. My response to the baby was almost the opposite of Paige's in that if I have a baby really young, I feel like I would keep the baby. I also never would have guessed that Paige and Rachel would flip their positions. Because I kind of like the feeling of having a baby. Like, for some reason, like, I guess the idea that someone or something, like, needs you and only you kind of makes you feel, like, important. (laughs) It was awful, but at the same time, like, I was, I kind of liked it. I never really thought that I would want to have a kid younger, but maybe I would. Rachel called it, early-onset baby fever, and said her mom was freaked out by it. I asked one of Rachel's teachers and the president of the company that makes the babies about this ironic and unintended outcome, that the robot baby made a teenage girl want to have a real one. They both said this was rare. They shrugged it off. The teacher said she was sure Rachel's the kind of girl who will make a thoughtful decision about when to have her own child. 
Overall, the girls had a way more authentic mothering experience with the robot babies than I'd expected. But the moments when Rachel and Paige couldn't be available to the babies, when Rachel gave blood, when Paige fell, the girls lost points in those moments. When you're a real parent, those things happen all the time. Diagnosing whether your kid needs to be fed or diapered or rocked, that's not what makes you a pro at parenting. It's coping with the stress of getting it wrong, of feeling like an amateur, which is going to happen no matter how much practice you've had. Now, when we did that episode two years ago, we knew that Rachel made for a great story. But we figured, you know, it was pure luck that I had found her because she was a total anomaly, a fluke. Well, it turns out, maybe not. Stay with us. <laughs> Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. We're back. It's been two years since I spent time at Glenridge High with Rachel and Paige and the robot babies. And we're going to get to that news that I've been teasing about the babies. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about the company that makes these infant simulators. It's called RealityWorks. Classrooms all over the world use RealityWorks dolls in the hopes of preventing teen pregnancy. One of the purposes of what we do is to help prevent teen pregnancy, yes. This is Tim Betcher, president of RealityWorks. He told me the story of Rick and Mary Germain, the couple who invented the robot babies in 1993. One night they were sitting on the couch watching a television program on PBS. And in that program, kids were learning what it was like to care for an infant by carrying around eggs and sacks of flour. And, you know, Rick, he looked over to Mary, his wife, and said, that's the dumbest way to learn what it's like to care for an infant. Rick, as it turns out, is an actual rocket scientist worked for NASA for a number of years. And a couple weeks after seeing the show with the kids and the eggs, Rick got laid off. He had a lot of time on his hands. Well, Rick went out to the garage, you know, tinkered around and created the very first uh, baby. So he took a doll 
that uh, you could pick up at your Walmart store and uh, put some electronics in that doll that cried. You know, so that's how the first version worked. These days, RealityWorks babies are used to simulate all sorts of things aside from teen parenthood. They help nurses and babysitters learn CPR and first aid. They help parents learn how to handle preemies. And they help healthcare workers learn how to manage babies affected by drugs and alcohol. So Tim's been developing these products for 18 years. He's been running RealityWorks for 11 of those years. For nearly two decades, his customers have seemed happy. And then on August 26th, he wakes up to this. Schools with baby simulator programs may want to find a different way to help curb teen pregnancy. An anti-teen pregnancy program which uses virtual babies which cry and need to be fed and changed has backfired. Australian researchers looked at 57 different schools as part of this study. The study, published in The Lancet on August 25th, found that girls who attended schools with the programs were 36% more likely to have a pregnancy by the time they were 20. It is unclear just why this program seems to be backfiring. Schools all over the world now use these dolls to teach teens how exhausting it is to be a parent, how not fun it can be. I never would have predicted that. I never would have forecast that those babies would actually lead to more girls getting pregnant at a younger age. Well, it turns out... So so these reporters are all freaking out because, well, it's kind of crazy news. You know, this Australian study from The Lancet found that students who took home robot babies were more likely to get pregnant than students who didn't. Yeah, so the aim was really to try and determine whether the program actually did reduce teenage pregnancy as it intended to do, or not, really. I spoke with the lead author of the study by Skype, Dr. Sally Brinkman. Sally is an epidemiologist. She works for the Australian Health Service. And she and her team wanted to find out if the infant simulators really work, because they were thinking about implementing them nationally in high schools all across Australia. Um, But the infant simulators are quite expensive. Each baby costs hundreds of dollars, so the investment for a school can be pretty steep. And so that's why we wanted to do a comprehensive evaluation of it to see whether it was worth rolling out, really, you know, so that every student could have um, access to the, you know, to the program if they wanted to, to do it. Now, the researchers were hoping to find that the infant simulators were effective, so effective that they would decrease the teen pregnancy rate in Australia. You know, it was supposed to be a reality check. But, you know, our results are uh, not supportive of that. So, in fact, it seemed to have the opposite effect to what we were hoping. So here's how the study worked. Sally and her team followed a large sample of teenage girls, nearly 3,000 of them, in schools across Western Australia over 10 years. The girls were split into two groups. So there's the control group, which received a standard sex education course, and the intervention group, which got that same sex ed course. But on top of that course, they also took home infant simulators for an entire weekend. Then the researchers tracked the students' medical records up till the age of 20. And every time a girl got pregnant, the researchers logged it which, you know, that's why they studied girls. It's harder to prove if a guy was involved in a pregnancy. When the study went public, it was the first that Tim Betcher and RealityWorks had heard of it. Tim says it felt like the entire world was on his case. And this paper, 
it flew in the face of all the positive feedback he'd gotten from clients and and in the face of evaluations that Reality Works had done on the babies. Tim pointed me to several studies that showed that when kids spend time with infant simulators, they say that they understand how hard it is to be a parent and that they'll be more careful about unprotected sex. Granted, those are all attitudes. And Sally's study isn't measuring attitudes. It's measuring actual pregnancies. Anyway, Tim and his staff read the study. And and it says, basically, that their product is garbage. And not just ineffective garbage, but possibly harmful garbage. Words cannot even describe how irresponsible uh, I think this was. No surprise, Tim thinks the study itself is garbage. And at first, when he told me that, I was like, well, you just don't like what it says. But he actually makes some pretty compelling arguments about why the world should not be anti-robot baby. For starters, he says, the girls in the Australian study did not get as much time in the classroom as students who go through Baby Think It Over, or Real Care. That's the new name for the Reality Works curriculum. Uh, you know, I would liken this to what you have in a driver's education program. If I, t- if I take the car out of a driver's education program and give it to students and expect them to learn by just driving the car with very little instruction, they're going to be completely ineffective. Tim also told me about this thing called Baby Bonus. That's a program the Australian government started in 2002 to try and boost the birth rate in the country. They were giving first-time parents $3,000 and eventually $5,000 as an incentive to have babies. You got the entire government standing up and saying, geez, you should have children. Uh, You start taking all these factors, of course, it's going to have a significant impact on the thoughts and aspirations of, uh, of young people to have children. And what teenager wouldn't jump at a cash prize? Tim points out, the group in the trial that got the robot babies tended to be poorer and less educated than the group that didn't get the babies. So could the money from Baby Bonus explain the surprising results in this study? Well, we looked into all of Tim's complaints, and what we found was this science seems to be solid. The girls in the study did get a comprehensive sex ed curriculum, even if it wasn't exactly the Reality Works program. The socioeconomic differences between the control group and the robot baby group are so small that they could not have had a significant impact on the results. And Baby Bonus doesn't seem to have had an influence on teen pregnancy in Australia. Even if it did, the study would have shown an increase across the board in both groups, not just the robot babies group. So, you know, if these results are accurate and the higher pregnancy rate in the robot baby group is because of the robot babies, the question then is, why? Well, we don't exactly know why, unfortunately. What we've done is we've tracked the students through the medical records, so we don't get back in contact with the students. Um, The consent process when everybody agreed to participate in the program was that we would, you know, basically just simply track them and that we wouldn't recontact them. So, you know, privacy is maintained and all of those sorts of things. Um, So we are unable to ask the students why they chose to, you know, what the circumstances were around their pregnancy, but then also why they chose to go forward. Sally says all they've got is speculation, you know, just observations that they made about the girls when they brought the babies back after having them for the weekend. 
And there was quite a diverse range in reactions. So some students loved it and, you know, they really enjoyed the program and they didn't really want to give the infant simulators back. Um, But then there were other students who really hated it and they couldn't wait to give the simulator back. Um, you know, some of them wrap them up in sleeping bags or put them in the, you know, tool shed in the backyard or, you know, like, <laughs> um, some of them came back with sort of, you know, um, blue tack on top of, you know, like a, the sticky blue tack on top of the microphone to try and keep it as quiet as possible. So we had, you know, we had the diverse reactions, but I would say that the majority of students actually enjoyed the process of it you know it was tiring and they all you know understood that this was a tiring thing to do but I think it actually gave them a bit of confidence it gave them a lot of attention they get a lot of attention when they're caring for these infant simulators over the weekend right because people notice you people notice you carrying like a crying doll that sounds like a real baby they really do. And, you know, it is interesting when you carry them because, you know, sort of the the initial reaction is everybody sort of looks at you, oh, you know, you're carrying a baby and then, then they realise that it's not a real baby and then there's, <laughs> there's this sort of moment of like, oh, you know, that's odd. And then people want to talk to you about it. I am an attention hoe. I am totally an attention hoe. And having the babies made me feel special. This, of course, is our old pal, Rachel two years older than the last time you heard her and in her sophomore year of college. There's this weird feeling of, of, of like, it's this glow of like, oh, people have to pay attention to me now. I I totally understand that. It was, it was kind of nice. In a minute, more Rachel. Don't go away. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. We are back and we're talking about robot babies and how a recent study found that they might make teens more likely to get pregnant. Of course, I was dying to know what Rachel made of these findings. Well, that surprises me considering I was like supposedly an anomalous 
response to the baby, I guess I thought I was unique and special. Maybe Rachel felt less special at first. But after thinking about it, she said it made sense that the babies might make kids feel positive about motherhood. The babies were realistic in some ways, but but really they were toys. I didn't actually have to clean up any poop, which I think that's a big deal. And I didn't actually have to prepare any bottles or, you know, breastfeed my baby. When we last talked, you told me it's not like you were going to go out and try to get pregnant, but like if you accidentally did, you think you might keep the baby. Are you still feeling that way? I mean, I actually had, it wasn't quite a pregnancy scare. It was more an anxiety moment where I was watching something where someone was pregnant and I was like, what if I'm pregnant? So I actually did the pregnancy test, even though there was like zero chance. I mean, it wasn't like immaculate conception, like I'd I'd had sex before, but like with protection and stuff. And so when I, 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 I did the pregnancy test and I was like, actually it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed peeing on a stick. I think the experience of peeing on a stick is something that everyone should have. <laughs> but I I mean, I think everyone feels like a weird twinge of regret when they see the negative. Because, like, I was actually, like, immediately I started, like, thinking of names and stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. So that thing that Rachel said about everyone feeling a twinge of regret just really stood out to me. Because, like, I mean... Come on. I know plenty of people who have felt complete and utter relief with a negative pregnancy test. Like, like I've been there myself. This twinge of regret she's talking about, it's not universal. And it made me think of another piece of Sally's research. So of all the girls who got pregnant in the first trial, the ones who had the robot babies were less likely to get an abortion. Again, we don't know why. But Rachel, perhaps, is a clue. I think, well, the baby simulator, I think it brought out a lot of, like, a side of me I didn't know about that still sort of there. I, I guess I call it cavewoman Rachel, where even though logical Rachel's like, you're in college, you don't have a job, so you, and you don't have a partner, so you shouldn't have a baby. But cavewoman Rachel is like, you know, like, you need to spawn. Rachel's an interesting uh, individual, and she certainly represents uh, a, a gross exception, if you will, to what our teachers experience in the classroom. This is Scott Jameson. He's the VP of Sales and Marketing at RealityWorks. And like Tim, the CEO, Scott maintains that the Australian study is an improper use of their product. Hillary, it's, it's important to note here that this program has always been about developing parenting skills and providing young people with an understanding of the impacts that their choices have on their lives long term. Mm-hmm. It was never intended to be a teen pregnancy prevention solution. Now, whether or not teen pregnancy prevention is the main aim of infant simulators, researcher Sally Brinkman has one recommendation for all schools using the dolls. We're just ad- advising um, for those people that were delivering the program like us um, for them to stop and just not not to use it, to, to you know, just... It doesn't need to be used. Are you going to be reevaluating your program or your products at all? Uh, no. Tim Betcher, the CEO of Reality Works, is resolute. We will not uh, go out and reevaluate the uh, the product uh, because of this junk science. 
RealityWorks says they have not seen a dip in sales since the paper came out in The Lancet, and they believe the simulators are doing what they were designed to do. Plus, a lot of educators really love them. There's a lot of things that we like that aren't good for us, you know, sugar, <laughs> alcohol, fat, you know, all of these sorts of things, right, that aren't good for us. There are some people who are sort of saying, oh, you know, maybe they need to have the infant simulators for longer, that it wasn't long enough. And I think that's an interesting reflection in how it's very different when you evaluate these programs in education versus in health. So, for example, if you were going to have a drug trial and you did a randomised control trial design, same as what we did, and you follow them, you know, follow the patients up, and you actually find that the drug um, did harm rather than did good, then people's reaction is not instantly, oh, maybe they just need more of the drug, you know. Um, whereas in education, there's this this real hope that these things work. You know, there's this real sort of, well, the students enjoyed it, they engaged with it, they seem to, you know, it seemed to have a big impact on the students. And so because of all of that, you know, it must work. Are robot babies bad for you, even if there are more Rachels in the world than we thought? I believe Rachel came out of this program with a much better understanding of what's involved in being a parent. That's a good thing. Again, Scott Jameson from Reality Works. The purpose of this program goes far beyond just expecting a teen pregnancy prevention outcome, but being a good care provider. And I believe Rachel is better for having gone through the program, even if she's an outlier exception to this question of teen pregnancy prevention. Well, what does Rachel think? Is she better off? I think even if the babies supposedly don't prevent pregnancies, they teach an important lesson about just about parenting instincts within you that you might not have realized. And I think schools teach a lot of like abstract things like math and science and English and stuff. But it was very rare that you get to have sort of a dose of real life in there. And I think the Baby Project really did that in a way that you couldn't do with a sack of flour or an egg. Like, I lost my egg. My egg died because it did not cry. So, squeaky wheel gets the grease. This is so interesting. You are always full of surprises. I I thought you were going to be like... The project failed for me because I had the opposite reaction of what you're supposed to have. Well, I think it depends on what you view as a success or a failure. I think it succeeded in a way they didn't expect by making me realize my own maternal instincts. Rachel says she's not looking to become a mom anytime soon, but her fake baby has had a real impact on her life. Because of this hunk of crying plastic, Rachel now knows she wants to work with little kids maybe be a preschool teacher. She says, those robot babies, they were super ugly, but she loves taking care of something. We've got a link to the study from The Lancet at our website. And we've also got pictures of Rachel and Paige with their robot babies. We've got the the giving blood scene, the drama club scene, and more all at longestshortesttime.com. Also, we know that lots of you carried around eggs or flour sacks when you were in high school, or maybe you actually got an electronic baby or your kid has. We want to hear all about it. 
Was it fun? Was it a disaster? Would you even want your kid taking home a robot baby after hearing this study? Leave a comment at longestshortesttime.com in the post for this episode. That's episode 103. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Amory Baldonado and Antonia Akatunde. Special thanks to Joanna Solitarov, who worked on the original Robot Baby story with me. Also to Ira Glass and Sean Cole and the rest of the This American Life crew for co-producing that story with us. And to Alex Kaplman, Mary Harris, Jane Marie, Evan Middlesworth at Pine Hollow Audio, and Dean Kallenbach at WPR in Eau Claire. I will be back next week with a brand new episode. If I were a straight lady, you know, whatever, like Dominic is someone who, if I passed on the street, I'd be like, shit, who's that guy? The story of how you pick a sperm donor when you and your partner each have a uterus. Make sure you're subscribed to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. This story is is a wild one. It's going to be a two-parter. And if you want to get early access, sign up for our newsletter. Just go to our website, enter your email in the little box there on the homepage, and we will send you a secret link. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. It can be anything about your relationship with your kids or your parents. We especially want to know how you are talking to your kids about the outcome of this presidential election. What are you saying to them? What are you not saying to them? Go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. In 1962, a mysterious strangler committed the first of 13 random murders, shocking Boston and the world. Who were these women, and why would anyone want to kill them? It was the largest manhunt in the city's history. What is Mary Sullivan's picture doing on the front page of the paper with the Boston Strangler? Fifty years later, the cases remain open. Stranglers, the new crime series from Earwolf. Subscribe now in iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Stand up. You sing your wolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh-generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of seventh-generation. Find seventh-generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at seventhgeneration.com.